Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of... Gato! My name is Hans. I'm Edward. And we're your hosts for now and forevermore. Or at least until Freddy Krueger <laughs> comes and kills us in a sleep or something. Oh, uh, well, okay, sure. We, 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 actually, we're going to expand on that in just a bit. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if that piques your interest in any way, then you're definitely going to want to continue listening. <laughs> there you go. Um, something we haven't done in a while, and I just want to quickly just say it, is if you're new to Gettle, we are what can be considered a variety podcast where we talk about all kinds of unique, interesting, and unusual topics related to gaming, entertainment, technology, and, Edward? And lifestyle! Yeah, there we go. Um, And if you have been listening with us, thank you so much. We really appreciate all of the support. Um, It means a lot. Edward and I, as always, thoroughly enjoy doing this. And we thoroughly enjoy hearing from all of you, especially when you're sliding into our DMs. Wink, wink. (laughs) Nudge, nudge. (laughs) Um, Edward, how are you doing? Good, good, can't complain. How are you doing? I have been <laughs> <laughs> definitely been a bit better. I like how last week you had a migraine, and this week I'm having tall people problems in terms of back pain, but nothing too serious, nothing we can't get over, nothing that is going to stop us from doing Gettle episode 20. <laughs> Not even old age, which is oh what gosh. all our problems stem from. <laughs> um you know hashtag 30s club right yeah, basically right. almost basically there. yeah <laughs> all right okay cool well today is friday as most of you know this is when we record gettle yep. and in terms of friday did you know that the original days of the week actually come from norse mythology I did not, actually. So, they're actually named after the seven Ptolemaic planets. Namely, Sun's Day, Moon's Day, Two's Day, (laughs) Woden's Day, and my favorite day, Thor's Day, Freya's Day, and Saturn's Day. Isn't that fascinating? That's weird. Like, why would... Why would the norse have a saturn because that's that's germ uh sorry that's um greek and roman well i mean if you do look into a lot of european history uh-huh. in many ways they all sort of melded together at one point or at least they seem to have all come from one central source and then split up yeah you are correct in that regard because basically Rome conglomerated everything uh, when they took everything over. Um, I just don't understand if the time would match up. Look, from what I understand, the days of the week that we know today, as you've said, are Roman in in, in essence. But what's interesting about this is that from what historians can piece together, it did come from the Norse mythology and the way Mm. the Norse viewed the universe and you know with their faith and so on and so forth that's cool what's interesting about this though and this is why i wanted to talk about this is apparently the catholic church was heavily against it obviously because uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, because apparently a lot of the the latin languages used to use pagan names for days of the week and you know of course you know if you look back in in history again european history a lot of europe 
specifically the Catholic-driven societies regarded Vikings as pagans, as yes. heathens, you know? So to have these days named after pagan worship was a big no-no by the Catholic Church. And so what's fascinating about that is how the Portuguese actually created a new naming system. Okay. Right? So just just, just get this, just get this. So yeah. beca- because it was all, you know, initially pagan and, you know, the Catholic Church didn't like that, whatever the case is, the Portuguese, and as far as I understand, as well as the Icelandic, the Latvian, Lithuanian cultures, yeah. actually decided to use numeric values. Um, oh. Now, of course, the Portuguese were the first to do this. And so they started with Domingo for Sunday, which actually comes from the word Dias Dominica, which is the day of the Lord. Yeah. Right. Then Monday was Segunda Fiera. And I, I apologize if I'm ruining the, the pronunciation to this. Um, and that has to do with second fiesta because they used to celebrate on the Lord's Day and then the Monday they would celebrate again. Okay. All right. And then then it's tertia fiera. And then what they ended up doing was keeping the, the, the fiera aspect to it, but just adding a number. So, you know, segunda was second, uh, tertia is like third. And then it, then it goes quarter and quinta, sexta. And then weirdly enough, Saturday's different. It's sabado. I know why it's different. Why? Um, so I don't know whether this is correct or not, but basically they parted all week, all week, and now they just want <laughs> to like chill out. You know, <laughs> they want to die down. <laughs> well, well, you're not wrong. So just like Domingo for Sunday, yeah, um, which I said is the day of the Lord. Yeah, Sabado comes from the Sabbath, which is <sighs> the day of rest. So you're not wrong. They they oh, partied okay, well... all week and then decided to rest on Saturday. <laughs> Well, there we go. <laughs> this was a really fascinating topic to, to talk about, you know, because we're so used to the normal days of the week, you know, Monday, Tuesday, mm. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And of course, if you do abide to some sort of religion or faith, you will know that, you know, uh, you know, Saturdays are normally the Sabbath or even sometimes Sundays are the Sabbath. It all depends on your religious affiliation. Exactly. So it's just fascinating to see how all of this kind of comes from a pagan origin. But because the church didn't like it, it somehow changed along the way. And yet, despite some of the additions and the changes, even today, we're still using words that sound exactly like the original Norse words. That's actually <laughs> super cool. Hey? So, now, when we introduced this episode, Edward mentioned Freddy Krueger, which <laughs> for most people will know is synonymous with Friday the 13th. And yeah. Friday the 13th is synonymous with Jason who is synonymous with the moon halloween edward (laughs) (laughs) y'all y'all listeners have no idea how difficult it is to get edward onto these these segues (laughs) i ain't no segwayer (laughs) anyway so gosh so yes it has to do with (laughs) With Halloween. With Halloween. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, so bringing it back, we were talking about some paganism and paganism holidays. Well, Halloween yeah. is obviously one of those. And um, as, as most people know, it's mostly celebrated in Northern Hemispheres. Um, I know yes. that in the, in the Southern Hemispheres, you don't really do it too much. Um, 
But in the north, it is. And it often takes place on the 31st of October. It does change uh, year to year, obviously, because of the calendars and so on and so forth. But that's generally when it happens. Yeah. Um, so we, we find out some information about this. And yes, it is going to lead us to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so I, look, keep just, that in mind. <laughs> I'm just obsessed with the moon at the moment because I found out something super interesting yes, about I it. Yes, I know, I know. And, uh, and, and honestly, for those of you who are listening, I do hope that you're going to want to hear that stuff. Yeah. Um, but before but we first, get there... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently the origin of Halloween can be traced back to Samaean, um, which is pronounced sow, in which rhymes with cow. So it's actually... Sawin. Sawhaun. That's <laughs> anyway, Sawin. It's an, it's an ancient Celtic festival, um, and it was often used to mark the end of harvest time, you know, naturally. Yeah. yeah. So the reason why we're speaking about this now is because we found out that, you know, or rather not that we found out, that anyone who's familiar with Halloween celebrations knows that there's some links to, you know, mythos, to mythological creatures and science fiction and so on and so forth. I mean, it's like how you know, werewolves are meant to come out at the full moon and they come yeah. out during Halloween. You know, that that kind of a thing. Well, what what is really interesting about this and why we've mentioned Halloween to lead us into talking about the moon is that it is super rare for there to actually be a full moon on Halloween. Yeah. Okay, well, let me start off with the fact that getting a full moon... Um, on Halloween in the first place is super rare. But Very rare. this year alone, we're getting two full moons in the month of October, of which one is on <laughs> Halloween. Yes. Which, and this is, is going to lead us into something that is going to blow y'all's minds. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just still mind blown. Okay. Gosh okay. dang. So just to... Look, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, that's not such a big deal. We just... While compiling information about Halloween and full moons and stuff, we came across a really, like, mind-blowing trend. (laughs) (laughs) And that is that every time there is a true full moon on Halloween, there is disaster that year. (laughs) Yeah, like proper disaster. (laughs) Now, look, of course, we're not talking, we didn't, you know, do a lot of scientific you know, evidence and research into this. And of course, naturally, disasters come at any time, all right? Yeah. But we decided to look back because we were curious. We were like, well, you know, if it doesn't happen that often, when does it happen? So um, Edward and I looked into it and we found that... Uh, Edward, do you want to take it away? What happened in 1955? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, so in the, the 21st century, there would only be... Six full moons during our Halloween. Six? Are you serious? The number yes. six? Yes. <laughs> so the first six, of six, those... Six, 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 anyone? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 1955 predates it all with the very first big disaster, okay? And this was Hurricane, Di- Hurricane Diane who killed uh, 200 people in wow. the USA. And then after this came the Le Mans <laughs> disaster in 1955, where 84 people um, was declared dead. So, now, that, 
we're looking at near 300, maybe more, right? Yeah, yeah, near three, 300 deaths in 1955 alone. In just the USA. <laughs> yes, yeah. And then the next Halloween moon would be on 2001. And obviously in the USA, we know that was a very sad time for, for many, many people. Um, with the 9-11 disaster. That's exactly it. Edward makes a very valid and scary point. Yep. So the first time in our 21st century of Halloween moons, we have Le Mans disaster and um, hurricanes. Then the second time it happens, we have 9-11. Yep. Cue Illuminati music. Because yep, because the third time <laughs> we've, we're getting our Halloween moon is, you guessed it, this year it's 2020 y'all <laughs> and as we all know 2020 has been fantastic <laughs> it's it's been cray cray um so so that leads me into speculating what's coming next so so the next halloween moon is going to be on 2039 the one after that is 2058 and after that, it's 2077. And then the final one for the century would be 2096. Now, of course, this assumes we even make it past 2020. Exactly. <laughs> that, 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 that's the big thing. Now, something else that Edward also um, found out is how not only is it a Halloween full moon in 2020, but it's actually also a super moon, which means that the Halloween month is going to get two full moons. <laughs> a blue moon. A blue moon, then. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, so basically, Either way, it's rare, right? It's super rare. Um, so so the first <laughs> one would be in the beginning of the month, and the last one would be right at the end of the month, um, which is extremely, extremely rare. Number one, because it's a Halloween moon, and number two, because it's two moons in the same in the month. month. Yeah. So we're yeah. getting a double whammy this year. So... <laughs> I'm really well, scared the, of what's going to happen. It is 2020, which is exactly. perfectly divisible by two. <laughs> double everything. Like, literally, it's, two, it's 20 and 20. It's literally double. Double it's vision, double everything. Double disaster. <laughs> well, look, speaking of, it's no wonder that the President of the United States, which is currently Donald Trump, has the most kitted out car you will ever come across. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and for good reason. So, obviously, in looking up content for this episode and just in general, um, we came across the most fascinating image of what the President of the United States vehicle looks like and what it's equipped with. And the reason why this is just so crazy and out there is because when we start ex talking to you about what the car actually has, you're going to wonder, is this real or is this from like a movie? Yeah. Because like, <laughs> like, I, I've been looking at this a while now and I still wonder if it's like legit because <laughs> this thing looks like a tank. Well, well, this is the thing. So naturally, a lot of the information I guess we found has to do with America and the first world age because, you know, it's the, the country everybody always talks about. It's also the one which most information is easily accessible for. Yeah. So with this in mind. The president's vehicle, and we're just going to talk about some of the stuff, has things that you kind of look at this and you're like, whoa, like 
This is the kind of thing that you really want to have in a disaster. I mean, it's the kind of vehicle that can withstand an atomic blast. You know? It has yeah. filters that, that prevent radiation from filling in. You know, stuff, stuff like that. <laughs> and it has seals to prevent chemical attacks from leaking in. And holy crap. L- let's go through a, a, a really quick brief thing about it. So the first thing we'll look at is the boot, which is how we call it in South Africa. Everybody yeah. else might call it a trunk or the rear compartment. So apparently the boot has a firefighting system as well as tear gas and smokescreen dispensers. That that actually makes a lot of sense. Like, you know, if they're trying to get away from people, they need to, like, you know, sh- like, shoot out stuff to maybe prevent a missile from tracking the car, perhaps. Jeez. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like fireworks to, to veer off heat-seeking missiles. Exactly that. Now, from the boot, moving forward, so we're going to go from the back of the car to the front of the car. Um, the rear seats, apparently, have a satellite phone with a direct line to the vice president and the Pentagon. Now, of course, this is assuming that telecommunications are not knocked out. I mean, I, I can't imagine that, unless maybe it's using some sort of radio technology and it's battery powered, so it doesn't require anything else, which is most likely the case. Um, in addition to that, the rear compartment where the president sits and up to four other passengers um, has a glass partition, which only the president can lower. And there's a panic supply of oxygen as well. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> the doors are armor-plated, eight inches thick, and they're as heavy as a 757 Boeing jet door. And when closed, as Edward said, they can make a complete seal. So nothing can get in or out, including yeah. chemical attacks and nuclear radiation and so on and so forth. Yeah, it's it's... It's kitted out to say the least. Okay, and moving forward, um, obviously the chauffeur, someone needs to drive the car naturally. Um, uh, well, no, only right now. <laughs> until yeah, Tesla right has now, their way. exactly. <laughs> so at the moment, it's a trained United States Secret Service um, member who is specifically trained to cope with the, the most demanding driving conditions. Uh, these include like needing to escape during evasion, uh, sorry, to escape and evade during um, emergency situations, he should be able to make 180 degree J turns and everything. Now, bear in mind, this car is huge. Okay? Yes, so it's you know, when we're when we're talking about 180 degree J turns, this isn't in like a little Toyota Igo. Okay, this thing is like a limousine. Yeah, it's so. massive. So so you should do this with speed. So this guy's a proper transporter, if you will. Yeah. yeah. Um now protecting him uh, protecting him, he has the obviously the windows. Um and these are five layers of glass and polycarbonates um which can withstand armor piercing bullets. Now, now the only window that can be opened is the driver's window by only three inches as well. Um, That's nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's literally nothing. Um, now, the driver's compartment um, at his front, it inclu- it's basically just a dashboard, which co- includes all the stuff you'd expect, like a GPS tracking system and an entire communication system. Look, it's an absolutely incredible vehicle and honestly ed and i could probably end up speaking like another half an hour about it (laughs) yeah it's so like 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 like, we're gonna link to the graphic so you can definitely check it out um and just you know one last like overview it's got things like tear gas night vision 
It's got wheels that even if they pop, they have like a metal chassis underneath so it can continue driving. Armor-plated fuel tank. Y'all, if you want to be stuck in something during the apocalypse, this is the car. Mm-hmm. Okay? <laughs> which, which made me wonder, what about Air Force One? You know, does it have similar capabilities? Now, we won't speak about them in depth like we did with the vehicle now, but my understanding is it does. To the yep. point of, you know, it, it has flares that can shoot out and, you know, stop missiles. And it's got its own radar detection. And, you know, it, it can maneuver more than a typical 747 and so on and so forth. However, there is something that all 747s have. Actually, that all airplanes have that I never knew about. And that is that they can all hoot. <laughs> <laughs> Which, it sounds b- like weird. To, to know that a plane can hoot, but it also makes sense. Does it? <laughs> yeah, like, if, if a plane's on the runway and someone's in its way, you know, they can't always be called by the Air Force or whatever to, <laughs> to get out of the way. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Well, I, I thought it was very cool and interesting because I'm a, I'm a lover of aircraft. Um, I've always sort of as a young child imagined flying a 747 one day of course it hasn't panned out but it's still just one of those aircraft you know when that's what you know air force one is based on anyway either way um it's it's not the kind of hooter you would expect and this is what it sounds like so there we go it's not not exactly a a tooting sound no (laughs) it's more like a a truck backing up it's a honk It's it's like a honk that repeats itself. <laughs> well, I mean, who knew? I didn't know. I mean, I thought I thought that was I thought that was 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 pretty was pretty cool. Well, look, since we're on the topic of America, still, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. there was <laughs> there was something else um, that I've always kind of wondered about. I think a lot of people have wondered about it, and that is why doesn't America use the metric system? So with that in mind, I actually came across, I guess, what could be considered more of a conspiracy theory <laughs> than, than actual evidence as to why America didn't implement the metric system. No. Either way, it's the most fascinating story. Yeah. And Edward and I are going to discuss that right now. Yeah. So, so basically... Um... What happened is Thomas Jefferson found found out about this amazing me- metric system from the French, which made a lot of sense. Like it would explain. Listen, it makes total sense. Yeah. Okay, and and I know that even some Americans are like, "What the hell is the imperial system?" <laughs> yeah, like like um, he found out about a system that that balances itself out, um, and he wanted. An example of this, along with someone who could teach America about it. So he ordered this item from from France, which is just basically a copper cylinder with a little handle, um, which is weighed exactly one kilogram. Um, Correct. Correct. And and turns out it never arrived in America. So j- just to elaborate a little bit on that, um, mm-hmm. the the French actually sent it along with a scientist yeah. called Joseph Dombe. And he was actually carrying the cylinder to the Americas on Thomas Jefferson's request so that he could implement 
the metric system. <laughs> but of course, I'm wondering if there wasn't a Halloween moon that year because <laughs> <laughs> could have the ship which was headed towards the US of A as we know it today was hijacked. Isn't that right, Edward? <laughs> yeah. By none other than Caribbean pirates. <laughs> no, oh, no. I wonder what Jack Sparrow was like. <laughs> no, uh, it was more like, more along the lines of Edward Kenway, because apparently... Oh, yes, from Assassin's Creed. Yeah, apparently these pirate, this Caribbean pirates um, were British privateers. Um, <laughs> basically, just waterborne criminals, as the post says, who... Uh, would loot and shoot at anything they come across on the seas. Look, that's funny um, because we all know the imperial system comes from Britain. And <laughs> yeah. so they effectively stopped the new world from getting the opposing metric system. <laughs> unintentionally, of course. Unintentionally. I, I don't think this was intentional. They just randomly looted this ship, which was bringing this little device, which could have shaped the course of American measuring history. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it's not all for naught, though. Um, the, this little cyl- cylindrical object eventually found its way into the hands of the Americans anyway. Um, oh, okay. uh, More specifically, an American land surveyor called Andrew Ellicott. And okay. he passed it down into his family until f- 1952, um, where... The, the Ellicott, where Andrew Ellicott Douglas, who was an astronomer, gave it to the agency who were the precursor of the National Institute of Standards and Technology. Oh, very cool. Now, now very cool. this post doesn't mention that, but essentially a few years ago now, um, well, way before that, the, the kilogram cylinder was actually replaced with an iron ball. I think it's iron or, or a lead ball. And yes, now that one that's ball, a little bit more accurate in weight, right? Yes. Now, it turns out a few years ago now, I think it was two years ago, that ball ended up, uh, because of age, He it lost weight. <laughs> so they had to exchange oh. it with another <laughs> ball, which, which is more uh, resilient to age. And yeah, it's just super interesting tale of Matrix. Something else that I actually found out as well is that this wasn't the first time that America tried to adopt the metric system. Oh. Apparently, they attempted to do it in 1866, where the American Congress actually authorized the use of the metric system throughout the country. And they supplied the, these little counterweights to all of the states as a, you know, as a standard measure of what metric weights and, and units are supposed to be like. Which I find very interesting because if that happened all the way in 1866, but even today in 2020, they're still using the imperial system. I really have to wonder why it never truly took off. Yeah. You know, it's it maybe got to do with the fact that they were so used to imperial that it was just too much effort to change over. Maybe it was just a matter of hard-headedness and... and traditionalism or or rather patriotism like they didn't want to adopt the european standards anymore well well i mean look either way it's it's a fascinating like story you know to think that along the way not necessarily only because of the pirates of the caribbean but that they had somehow influenced the adoption of the metric system in america (laughs) it's it's those dang rebels (laughs) 
Now, speaking of something truly American, uh, we all know about Barbie, right? Yeah. Well, well, well. I found out something really interesting about the founder of Mattel, the company who created Barbie. Okay. And that is that the founder of the dolls actually named her children Barbara and Kenneth. And therefore, when she started the company, she named the Barbies Barbie and Ken, named I, after I'm, her kids. I'm sorry, but but Barbara and <laughs> Kenneth. That's so, like, um, <laughs> basically colonial American names. <laughs> so white. Well, <laughs> look, it, it's just, I actually can see the appeal in a way. You know, I mean, look, I don't think that they foresaw Barbie the brand and Mattel becoming so big in the long run. Oh, for sure. But yeah. imagine that heritage, though. Imagine knowing that your parents named this product after you and it's global and synonymous with boys and girls around the globe. Yeah, with, with the most uh, popular doll ever made. Yes, it's it's... I think it's incredible. I mean, would you do that, Edward? Would you name, like, possibly name a product after your loved ones? I like to think I would, honestly. Yeah, me too. So, I mean, it's not, like, totally out of the blue that, that she would do this. But I just think it's so cool because I never once thought, where does the name Barbie come from or Ken? Because right. they're just names, you know? Exactly. And so to know that they come from Barbara and Kenneth, which are the names of the children of the person who founded Barbie and Mattel, like that's just, I don't know, I love it. It's just such a cool little nugget of information. <laughs> it's actually super, super interesting. <laughs> so now that we're speaking about toys and stuff, this is going to lead me into something that I actually had prepped for last week. And it was such a jam-packed episode, we decided to throw it into this week. Well... To be fair, what you're going to speak about usually comes along with packaging for Barbie but and that's Ken. exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it makes more sense this week. So anyone who's bought, well, basically anything, I would imagine, in yeah. the last couple of decades, will know about silica packets. You know, these tiny little like packets that come in tech products or just any product, really, even clothing sometimes. And it always says, do not eat. Right now, for the longest time, I've seen these, and I'm like, "Why is it poisonous? <laughs> like, if I if I eat this, is anything going to happen to me? Will I die? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, well, well. Guess what, y'all? You won't. <laughs> yes, you'll be fine. It turns it turns out that the reason why they they have do not eat in the packet is because you can choke on the packet. Exactly. It's got nothing to do with the silica gel inside it's literally just a choking <laughs> hazard for yes. like kids and animals so apparently um, the silica gel itself is it's totally non-toxic yeah. now this doesn't mean you need to go out and eat the stuff it, but it's just that if you were to consume it you'd be fine and that it's more likely the packaging that the silica gel is in that could cause you to choke or rather a small child to to choke yeah. Now, if anyone's ever wondered what they're for, essentially it's just for moisture and mold. So, um, you know, silica gel as a property does a really good job of absorbing the moisture in whatever atmosphere it's contained within. So, you know, a majority of the time um, products are sealed in plastic. And so the silica gel is just to stop 
you know, moisture from, from condensing within the packaging. Mm. So it's just, I don't know. I just, I thought that was so cool. <laughs> like we can actually eat these things. I mean, we shouldn't. Um, and that it's not because they're dangerous. It's just the packaging. Yeah. That's literally all it is. You know? Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting. And, and obviously when I found out about that, I was like, well, you know, what else is silica gel used for? Because I mean, you know, it's, it's this thing. It's, it seems to be quite commonplace. Mm -hmm. Well, apparently it's also used in industrial compressed air systems like air conditioners in order to dry the air. Yeah. Right. (laughs) That's, that's actually super cool. Like (laughs) it makes sense. (laughs) But you wouldn't yeah, and then, think... That's yeah. exactly it. Like, you wouldn't think about it. Now, it's also used, I think, more so in the past than it is today. Um, but to prevent condensation of ice in the brake air pipes of of trains, mm. of railway locomotives. You know? Um, it's, it's, just, it's just super cool because it's used to control things like humidity um, in, in, in large exhibitions. Like, you know, if you go to a museum, yeah. they literally use giant silica gel packets or just containers filled with the stuff to prevent humidity or moisture from destroying the artworks. That's cool. Hey, yeah, right? <laughs> That's why when they say don't come within one meter of the painting, they don't mean you should make it filthy with your oily fingers. They just mean you shouldn't step <laughs> on the giant packs of silica gel you can't see. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> 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 so in addition to all of this, um, they're also used to help with high frequency radio and satellite transmission systems, which which I thought was was really weird because I was like, how? How could silica gel, which is meant for not necessarily dehydrating the atmosphere, but, you know, for preventing moisture buildup, how does it do that? Well, yeah. a- apparently um, beads of water that can form within those kinds of, you know, high powered equipment can actually change the signals. So if you use the silica gel within the equipment, it actually prevents the signal from degrading. And it also helps preserve the impedance and frequency of signals. Hey, I mean, how interesting is that? That's super cool. So, you know, naturally, when you think about that, you kind of think about radiation. Now, silica gel is not going to help you in terms of a nuclear fallout. Damn it. (laughs) But (laughs) there goes my stocks of silica gel. Worthless. And it's also not going to help you in terms of damaging your DNA from exposure to radiation, which we actually mentioned and we spoke about in episode 19, you know, sun exposure um, and also how, you know, the the Nevada tests and so on and so forth. It was great. great. (laughs) Seriously, if you haven't listened to it, definitely go check it out. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Now, I'm, I'm speaking about this now because there was something else that we both came across this week and it has to do with DNA and how... It's quite known how DNA degrades over time. Yeah. It's why, close to my heart, why dinosaurs are not with us right now. <laughs> it's because <laughs> every time we want to bring these things back, the DNA is super degraded. So therefore, it's, you know, not possible Listen, to, to, to do it. <laughs> I'd rather not have the dinosaurs back, okay? Listen, we spoke about this already, okay? <laughs> I'm, I'll die on this hill. <laughs> <laughs> we okay so so okay now this is all coming back to a conversation we had in uh, episode 18 about uh, chimeras and how mm. you know we've used dna today to mix it with animals and whatever whatever so what what this whole conversation comes down to is 
yes, DNA does break down over time. Naturally, we yeah. know this. It's just a, a fact of life. And as you age, DNA breaks. And this is why you should, you know, you shouldn't really be exposing your, yourself and your body to things that can damage um, yourself on a DNA level. But even if you didn't, even if you, you stayed away from everything, DNA would slowly break down as you age. It's just how it works. And with this in mind, there was a question, hey, Edward, about this. So, so pretty much the question is, if you are 80 years of age and you have a lot of money <laughs> and the island exists. <laughs> if great you, movie, by the way. <laughs> it is a great movie. Underrated. And you take lots of money and a little bit of your skin and you tell the scientists, please make a clone. Will this clone only live for like five years? Yes, that's exactly it. So the whole thing is, if you clone using old or damaged DNA, what happens to the clone? Yeah. Well, the answer to that will surprise you. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially, um, what scientists have discovered is that no, cloning essentially takes the best parts of your DNA and it might even repair broken cells that that you have cloned. So just to elaborate a little bit more on that, when we spoke about sun damage in last week's episode, we actually mentioned a process called apoptosis, mm. which is whereby the damaged cells actually like they commit suicide uh, because they're so damaged that they don't replicate and, you know, form cancerous cells. Exactly. So essentially what actually happens is if you clone using DNA, and it doesn't really matter how old the DNA is, just as long as it's viable, you know, yep. which is why we, we can't do dinosaurs because the DNA is not viable. But <laughs> let's assume you took a uh, hundred year old DNA and you clone them. The beauty of it is that during the cloning procedure and the, you know, the creation of the cells to form this clone of yourself or, or of this person, the cells are actually intelligent enough to, through apoptosis and other processes, to remove the damaged DNA to the point where whatever is created is born anew, but is just a perfect replica. Yeah. Like, the, let's say you have some form of skin cancer at the age of 40. If you create a clone from your cells, chances are they won't have any form of skin cancer at all because essentially they'll be brand new they'll be a, a healthier version of you for all, all intents and purposes so, so basically the reason I, I mean specifically skin cancer is because it's one of the most common non-genetic cancers like you can get it from just standing in the sun a little bit too long you know that makes sense so so what you're saying is that um, because it's not, you're not genetically predisposed to getting a melanoma. Exactly. Your clone might not get it because if, well, I mean, if they aren't in the sun as much as you were. Ex exactly. <laughs> so, so let's so, say they so were they living in a basement. If they didn't go to Holiday and Barbados without sunblock, you know. <laughs> there you go. That's exactly it. So, so basically, okay. um, th one of the big reasons people were thinking that this is not the case is mainly because of, um, examples like Dolly the sheep, which was one of yes. the very first cloned sheep ever. Yes, um, correct. And, and her sad, premature death. Now, it turns out that she did not die of cancer because of the cloning process, but rather from a retrovirus um, that, that, that originated elsewhere. How 
fascinating is that? Yeah. So, so you see, this is what I find so interesting about science is how the whole Dolly the Sheep thing kind of allowed people to assume that the decay in DNA over time could result in a clone not living as long as the original host. Exactly. Whereas in this scenario, that actually wasn't the case. The sheep was completely identical. However, there was an unfortunate exposure to a retrovirus, which then caused cancer and then a premature death. Yes. So essentially the the clone got got an entirely different cancer from the original host and just succumbed to that. And it's quite fascinating to to know now that pretty much clones and the the original subjects are perfectly identical with the exception of maybe, um, maybe non-genetic cancer. Obviously, genetic cancer will be, they'll be prone to all kinds of stuff you're prone to. Well, unless, of course, you CRISPR that shit out. And then then transfer your mind into your clone and live a a happy cancer-free life. (laughs) (laughs) Which is essentially the plot of the island. Um, Listen, I'm all for this, okay? Yeah. Like, (laughs) you know, Edward and I did did speak in in, in episode 19 and in episode 18. And I've already said that I would clone myself. You know, if I needed parts for my body, you know, it just, it seems more ethical to clone me as an individual versus you know doing chimera projects Mm -hmm. you know making pig humans huigs or whatever you want to call them with our organs in them because i mean the poor animal yeah now of course there are far more ethics involved in this like if you are to clone yourself you know you're technically cloning another human being yes it's completely identical to you but if you bring that person up with their own mind and i guess own soul they are technically still different yeah. Now, of course, I imagine if you were to do it, but clone the person in a vegetative state, I wonder how unethical that would actually be. If you if if they were completely linked to machines the entire time, hmm. and you only harvested from this body when you needed it, that's that that's weird. Because obviously, if you clone <laughs> if you clone yourself into a new person, obviously you are your experiences so they'll experience entirely different scenarios and everything throughout their life they'll be a different person never let them wake but that's the thing like (laughs) so so they'll be a different human like this but if you never let them wake if you clone them without a brain wouldn't that alter the way like some of the parts would turn out you see so so this is where all of these ethical questions come in because it's technically still a human being. Yeah. You know? So if you purposefully crisper out the parts of the brain that give consciousness and you just create an empty vessel, is that still unethical? I I would say it is <laughs> purely because they still live. Well, that aside, do you know what is unethical, Edward? What is unethical? Putting your ejaculate in somebody's coffee. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully your clone wouldn't do that for you. Well, well, look, if it's me, hey, yeah, what ifs, yeah. you know? <laughs> Been there, done that, you know? Right. Um, 
okay so the, this was this was a crazy 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 story and yeah i mean i i guess i mean i, I wouldn't want to be put in the situation where i'd want to ask somebody else for help in this regard so the way this whole story goes is this lady used to bring a bottle of water to work every day and she started noticing a strange taste but not one that was totally unfamiliar and so what she ended up doing is over time she started realizing or rather thinking about what she thought the taste could be so she eventually went home and got her boyfriend to ejaculate into her water bottle and then she drank it to see if the taste would be the same that's horrible and surprise <laughs> it was so that's so horrible. um it, it's it's so so bad so they, they eventually found out that it was actually um it was actually a colleague of hers who was continuously ejaculating into her water bottle so i mean ew yeah <laughs> like you you get sexual abuse and then you get this which is just like why i, I don't know it must be I don't know, the thrill or, or, or something about the fact that this person doesn't know. Oh. But according to the, the article, it only happened twice. And she knew. I mean, obviously. I mean, let's be real here, okay? If you're a guy, you know what it smells and tastes like, okay? And it's an interesting thing to talk about because I remember um, a couple of years back, uh, one of my cousins and I, we were in the kitchen and the, there were several glasses that had just been washed. And he picked one up and he poured it with water and he was drinking and then he suddenly stopped and he was like, I need you to smell this. And I was like, what? And he, you know, he gave me the cup and I sniffed it and I was like, I kind of immediately knew what he was referencing, <laughs> but I was like, is it what I think he's thinking? <laughs> and then he was like, he was like, it smells like cum. And yeah. I was like, you're, you're right. It does. Why? And we, we couldn't. And we don't know. We couldn't place why it was. It apparently was just to do with whatever the the, the the soap that was being used at the time, and after the glass had dried in the cupboard, it made like this really weird. Like it's a it's an interesting it's an interesting smell. You guys will know it, ladies. If you're that close to your guys, you'll know them as well. Um, or anyone really who who's come into contact with semen, you'll you'll know that it's got a particular taste and a smell. So. You know, I, I I I get why she felt this. I can understand this. It, you know, just imagine com coming home to your significant other and be like, "Can you ejaculate into my water bottle?" <laughs> and and the explanation being, "I suspect my coworker is doing it." Oh, that you know that would be that would be terrible. That would make my blood boil. Yeah, honestly, I would be fuming. Um, it would be it would be an interesting test. First of all, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it'd be a bit of an odd request, but I mean, I, I would comply. I'd, I'd do it. I would hope she would then say no, you know? Right. Um, unfortunately, in this case, she said yes. Yeah. And then that's when they investigated. And I mean, it's terrible. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine? Super. Hey? It's scary. No, I don't want, no. Uh, women are going through so much. It's, it's, it's really awful. It really, really is. Um, you know, we need to be looking after each other and being better humans. Okay, mm -hmm. honestly, honestly. Well, with this NSFW topic on the mind, Edward, your time has come. It has, <laughs> indeed, Hans. Um, oh my gosh, I didn't... <laughs> so, um... So I did, since, I just, okay, never mind. <laughs> since we're on the topic of coming home to your significant other, oh. um, <laughs> I found the most amazing news for couples 
this week. Ooh. Um, obviously, it's Pornhub news. Um, and that is because Pornhub released a new subscription service called Premium Lover. Oh, okay. Now, now Pornhub Premium Lovers is essentially Pornhub Premium, but for couples. The 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 idea behind it is that you just hold on, wait, wait, wait before you continue. Yeah, this is not sponsored. No, it's not sponsored at all. <laughs> this, is, this is so funny because it it reads like a sponsored segment. <laughs> well, if Pornhub could sponsor us, I would not mind. Just saying. Um, okay. Anyway, yes. Okay. So couple sub. Yeah. Yeah. So so essentially, it's Pornhub Premium, but for couples. Now the difference is that number one, it. It costs about 50% more than Pornhub Premium, but you get access for two instead of just one. Okay, but I mean, if it's 50% more and then you divide that by two, it's, then you're only paying like three quarters of the price. Exactly. So that's not so bad. Yeah, so at the end of the day, it's it you'll be making some cash back. Um, and the, the benefits of Pornhub Premium Lovers is that you can share playlists and essentially the, the suggested videos it's it's all um made so you can curate the different kinds of categories it suggests to you you know this is actually a wonderful and healthy idea yeah and the reason why i say this is because a lot of the time you know the porn industry is considered taboo yeah and so what will happen is if people want to enjoy that kind of media and content, they'll do so in private. Now, I'm a firm believer in if you are partnered with someone, you should share everything with each other. Because I don't feel that, you know, keeping secrets from one another is is a healthy thing. Exactly. So imagine being in a relationship where you have some sort of a kink that you're not telling your significant other about and then you watch it on the side. You know, like, I actually enjoy the fact that they're saying, no, no, we want couples to be together e- to do this. Exactly. You know, because really, let's be real here. You should all be honest about what it is you want. And you should be very vocal about your needs mm. because that's very important. Yeah. Not just, in, not, not, just, not just in terms of, you know, your sex life and everything. So basically, this not only encourages that side of a relationship, but it also encourages um, exploring your kinks uh, as... as you said, Hans. Yes. And basically, um, becoming more familiar with your significant other. Like, in so many scenarios, there are... Like, I have friends um, who I know that the the husband, he watches porn when... Uh, and and the, the wife knows this. It's, it's not like it's some secret that they watch porn or yes. masturbate or whatever. Yes. But they don't yes. do it together. They don't... No, even know of each other's kinks, and that's what I find so sad in a way. It, yeah, I I agree with you. So it, it it should be this wonderful avenue of expression. Exactly. You know, and so that's that's quite cool. I, yeah. I, I dig the fact that they're doing this. I actually am very curious to know how many people will take advantage of it. I um, we'd love to give you a discount code, but we're not yet sponsored. Yeah, Pona, <laughs> um, please please reach out. We. <laughs> We are avid users of your platform, and we like talking about all your f- amazing technologies. Interesting here, I actually see some of your notes, and you 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 wrote here that 
um, 64% of respondents are actually curious about their partner's fantasies. Oh, yeah, actually, and, I forgot that and, I wrote that. <laughs> yeah, and then and 68% believe that knowing these preferences has a positive impact on the relationship. Like, I, I want to so say too. no, duh, yeah. because it should be pretty obvious. But this is great. The fact, I mean, there's research behind it as well, I guess. L- I like this. Let me tell you now, though, 68% believe that knowing these preferences can have a positive impact. You know... The other, the other 32% were, were like, oh, no, I don't like your kinks. I'm out of here. Like, <laughs> you know that's what Or happened. rather, the other 22 were just not being honest. Okay? Yeah, that's, that's more likely. That, that's more likely. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, we basically come to the end of episode 20. But just before we go, in reference to what we spoke about earlier in terms of you know, the Halloween moon and uh, things like that. Edward found the most, I guess, on the point trailer for 2020. <laughs> yeah. Um, Which takes everything that's happened this year so far and puts it into a movie trailer. <laughs> yeah. So basically it's just pretty much, it takes this entire year and put it into a trailer called 2020 the year or the year 2020 and it's actually scary it looks like something out of a proper hollywood like production and you would with the exception of zombies right with my the understanding is that's zombies. the only thing um but we don't know maybe zombies are coming like look we're only mid- we're only midway through the year it's it's so... genu- it's genuinely scary and it's it's difficult to to but uh, it's difficult to wrap around your head that all this footage from this trailer comes from this year alone. Yeah, that it's all real. Yeah. yeah. So on that somber note, <laughs> right? <laughs> we will link to the video below. Uh, definitely check it out. Let us know what you think if, if it's any if it's realistic at all. Um, also, before we end the episode, just a, a quick thank you to those of you who have continuously messaged us. Um, and sent us photos of your animals and your pets. Um, it's been really, really cool. And also just your general comments on whether you're enjoying the episodes or not. Thank you. Yeah. It's really, really great. <laughs> yeah, it's always nice to see. We, we we love the feedback. And as always, you know, if, if you do submit content that we use, you'll get your name mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> you might get featured on Gettle. Ooh. Isn't isn't that incentive to send something in, even if it's just a drawing you did? <laughs> and with that in mind, thank you all very much for listening to episode 20. Uh, we will definitely see you all again next week for 21. Yes. And with that, I'd just like to say thank you again for listening and see you next week. Ciao for now. Bye-bye. Bye bye.